I'm not sure how many of you have seen the video on social media of a guy following a woman's car for what we find out later was actually a noble purpose. But the woman doesn't know that initially. After the woman notices this car following her for several blocks, she eventually pulls over to confront the driver following her for who knows what reason. She starts yelling at him and for good reason, uh, probably to sort of make a commotion to draw attention to her situation for her safety. Well, the guy waits patiently uh, for a gap in the yelling to tell the lady that she has the gas pump still hanging from her gas tank. And in that moment, this potential stalker carjacker turned into a helper. And the reason that I mentioned this video is because I think for all of us, at some point in our lives, there's the same dynamic with God. You may believe God is a personal God, or you may believe there is no God at all. I think all of us have had to wrestle that sort of internal wrestling match where I feel like something or maybe even God is coming after me, uh, coming to hurt me, coming to harm me, uh, coming to take away my freedom or restrict me. And then we have experiences where that thing or God that, that I thought was coming to get me was actually not coming to get me, but was actually coming to rescue me, uh, oftentimes from myself. So I have two goals for our time together today. Uh, first, for those of you who would acknowledge that God is a better king than you are, you already acknowledge that you are accountable to God for your decisions, and you know you need God's help to get this right. You would say, well, I want to follow God. God, you know, I want to follow you with my money, with my thought life, with my decisions for the future. Uh, for those of you like that, hopefully the story we'll read together today will encourage those of you who are there and to stay there. Uh, my second goal is to invite those of you who aren't there to get there. Uh, those of you who may be at some point in your life, uh, the posture of your life was that God is a better king than you are. But then life happened. College happened. Marriage happened. A new job happened. Uh, maybe you moved to a different city, uh, got an opportunity, uh, met this girl or met this guy. And the posture of your life has sort of shifted to you being the king of your life or you being the queen of your life. Or maybe you've never lived with the posture of God as the king of your life, or maybe it's just been a really long time since you surrendered your agenda to God's agenda. Now, the reason that we don't go here initially, and the reason that we might need like a message like this, is because we know that if we acknowledge God as the king of our lives, it's going to cost us something, initially or eventually. But I want to make the case today that it will cost you something both if you say yes to God or no to God as king in your life. And on top of that, it will cost you less in the long run than refusing to acknowledge God as your king, the God who is for you. That even if you don't agree yet that, that God is for you, we can all agree that not everyone is for you, are they? Uh, sometimes we're not even for ourselves. Now, this is a rhetorical question, but you have, have you ever made a decision that you thought was best for you and it turned out it was not best for you? Uh, we've all done that, right? In fact, many times we didn't even actually know what was best for us. And so today is the first Sunday of a season called Lent that leads up to Easter on April 17th. Uh, Lent began on last Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, and this Lent season sort of involves repentance, sacrifice, fasting, and reflection. It's a journey towards the cross of Jesus that was his ultimate sacrifice for the world. And so we're starting this series called Lessons We Learned from Lent, which is sort of meant to be self-explanatory. But I'll also share a little bit about my time away last month and some of the things that I've been processing. Now, speaking of being away last month, I want to thank all of you who helped our church continue to gather and support our community while I was gone. Today we're going to be reading a passage that many of you have likely read before, but it's if not, it's actually a really interesting story that I think will drive home a tension that we all face 
when it comes to the opportunity of acknowledging an authority above us. We're going to start reading in Mark chapter 5. You can follow along the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, you can head to bible.com app. Once you're in the app, head to the more menu option in the bottom right corner, select events, and you can find our church. We'll also have the notes and verses on the screen as well. Uh, right before this passage that we're going to read, Jesus sort of went with the disciples in a boat across the Sea of Galilee. But a fierce storm came up, and the disciples woke Jesus up, uh, afraid that they would drown. And Jesus calmed the storm, and the disciples realized now they were even more afraid of Jesus than the actual storm that they were afraid of. Uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 1. So they arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Genesarenes. Uh, they finally arrived on the other side of the lake, basically, and when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could be no longer restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Verse 5, Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Now this section sort of helps those of us who were not there know what this scene was like. That this man was not able to be controlled by anyone else or even by himself. And now for some people, the possessed by an evil spirit part can really sort of get in the way because few, if any of us, have experienced that before. And while this evil spirit possession thing is definitely part of the remainder of the story, you can still learn the main point from this story even if you can't acknowledge the evil spirit part. Because again, this man was not able to control himself nor be controlled by anyone else or anything else, which we might have seen in different ways. Uh, people who are maybe addicted to something or maybe having a mental health issue or something else, right? We've sort of seen something similar to that. Continuing the story, verse 6, When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. And even though this man was not able or willing to be controlled by anyone else, when he first sees Jesus, this man submits to Jesus as if to a king. Verse 7, with a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Verse 9, then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Verse 10, then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. Verse 11, there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down deep down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Now there's some sort of cultural stuff happening in this situation, particularly with the pigs being considered unclean animals in the Jewish culture. But that is likely not a good day for the herdsmen, no matter what you think about this, right? I don't know if many of you know this, but during a summer in college, I actually worked on a pig farm. That farm had 4,000 pigs, so to lose 2,000 pigs all at once like this likely would have been pretty significant. And so Jesus significantly helped someone in their community, but it did come at a cost. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. Now, these herdsmen are, are probably wanting to tell what they have just seen, uh, but also they're probably at least a little bit afraid of Jesus and what he just did to their herd. And so as they're running away from this man who seems to have power over evil spirits, they're telling the story and spreading the news 
as they run, which of course, because of human nature, uh, brings about even more people to check out what is happening. Verse 15, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Now this is a small enough area and this possessed man was probably well enough known uh, to everyone basically because of who he was before Jesus came. Uh, they knew something significant had happened because of what he was like before Jesus came. Now I remember earlier they said he could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial graves, burial caves, and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. And yet now he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Now we might have a similar reaction if the people that we've seen sort of in our communities who maybe have similar mental illness, if we saw all of them and all of a sudden they were healed, we would be surprised wondering what it took to get that person to that state of mind and who had the power and the knowledge to be able to do that. Verse 16, then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And this is the point where all the people present have a decision to make. Uh, similar to the decision before each of us. How are we going to respond to Jesus? Are we going to lean into and acknowledge Jesus, who apparently has the power to help people in severe and dangerous situations? Are we going to lean into and acknowledge Jesus as an authority in our lives? Or are we going to focus on what acknowledging Jesus as an authority might cost us? And unfortunately, from this story, we learn which decision the crowd of people from this town decide. Verse 17, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. And the crowd is afraid, maybe afraid of what they will lose, whether it was fear or something else. It seems this crowd was too focused on something other than the man whose life has been radically transformed thanks to Jesus. Now, while Lent is typically known as a time for people to sacrifice and fast from something, in this story, the crowd sacrifices something they shouldn't have sacrificed the presence and the power of God through Jesus. And apparently the crowd would, would prefer the, to experience the power of the evil spirits rather than the power of Jesus. The crowd would rather be controlled by or maybe have a segment of people controlled by evil spirits rather than submit to the control of Jesus. Uh, maybe they didn't want the changes that no doubt came with this man's transformation. Uh, maybe they were just choosing sort of the status quo over the tough work of changing. Maybe some in the crowd didn't want to lose any more property, even if it would help another person in need. We don't know anything more about why this crowd wanted Jesus to leave their region, but we can also look in the mirror and ask ourselves why we sometimes ask Jesus to go away from us. Why we don't want Jesus to be the king and authority in our lives. And usually that's because we want to be our own king, right? Uh, we subconsciously or maybe consciously think we are a better leader and authority than Jesus. We want to be in control, but Jesus is a better king than we are. Just like this crowd who, who either heard about or saw Jesus demonstrate that he was a better king, just like that crowd, we have a decision to make as well. How are we going to respond to Jesus? Are we going to lean into and acknowledge Jesus as an authority in our lives or plead with him to leave us alone? 
So first, for those of you who acknowledge that Jesus is a better king than you are, are you regularly acknowledging and confessing Jesus as your king? Or have you sort of allowed things like money or success or political parties or maybe something else to become king for you? Uh, this Lent season is a good opportunity, maybe it's a great opportunity to pause and repent or sort of turn away from serving any other king than Jesus. Now, secondly, for any of those of you who have yet to sort of live your life with God as the, the king of your life, I want to invite you to start this season by inviting God to lead you. With all that's happening in our world right now, don't carry the unnecessary burden of leading yourself when you have a Heavenly Father who is willing to carry the kingship burden for you. And if we're honest with ourselves, we need to confess that Jesus probably would be a better king than we are. Because have you ever thought about the idea that how far would God actually go? Have you ever asked that question? How far would God actually go to bring you back to him? That the God who did not spare a son to bring you back to him, he also might not spare your wealth. He might not spare your health. He might not spare your business, your career, or your job. And if that's what it takes to reconnect with you, that's what God's willing to sacrifice. And that might feel threatening, but at the end of the day, that is the best news because that is how valuable you are to your Heavenly Father. Uh, a little bit later, John would, would follow Jesus. He, he followed Jesus, and then he eventually would stare into an empty tomb. He'd have breakfast with the resurrected Jesus. He records Jesus saying this in Revelation 3. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock on your heart. Or for some of you, you maybe think that God's following you around. He's trying to get you, but he's actually come to help you and to rescue you. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, I want to close our time by sharing a link in the chat to a song that sort of grabbed my heart during my sabbatical. The song is called Better King by an artist named Brandon Murphy. The second verse of the song says this, Who made control look so tempting? Who made control feel so empty? Because I know they're fooling me. They keep on fooling me. And then the song moves into the chorus and says, I prove you right every time. My ways may seem right, but yours are higher than mine. Because you're a better king than I could ever be. And this last line sort of been my prayer recently. Rule over and overrule me. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. And for many of us, we need to confess that Jesus is a better king than us. And God, we actually confess that we've probably put other things in front of you. We've had other kings that we want to give control to and maybe even to ourselves, the other directions of our lives that we want to go. And God, we acknowledge that those are probably not better for us, that you really are best for us, that you are a better king to lead us and direct us and, and help us in the future to move forward. God, we ask that you would help us. We acknowledge and we need your leadership in our lives. God, thank you that you hear our prayers. Thank you that you're willing to lead us. Thank you that you're willing to help us. God, would you forgive us for putting anything else before you? Would you heal us? Would you help lead us into the future with your never-ending, never-stopping, never-giving-up love and grace? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.